Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. With Superbook Sports right now, download that KDOS 1060 app, register, and follow along with the opportunities for you to potentially get yourself eligible for $100 courtesy of Superbook Sports. That's all happening now with the KDOS 1060 app. It's the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And guess what? It is Friday. It's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. We'll get into the weekend specials in just a minute, but we got to make room today around 10 15 to have a Bengals conversation with jay morrison from pro football network we'll also chat about the tennessee titans with nick suss of the tennessean around 11 15 your calls at 602-260-1060 around 10 30 today but as we typically do let's set the scene with today's poll questions and let's start with the kdos1060.com poll question which is the cincinnati Bengals over under 11 and a half wins for the Bengals and right now as things are scrolling out of control we have the Bengals uh, <laughs> over 11 and a half wins at 57 percent of the vote under trailing at 43 percent okay that's good because I, you know, I sometimes or more than sometimes ramble out of control during this uh, you know a two-hour extra point so I'll try to Try to follow along here as the uh, out-of-control things continue. All right, here we go. Uh, no team. There's a handful of teams that also have a win total. If you shop around, or 11 and a half wins. But no team, to my knowledge at least, has a higher win total, consensus win total, than the Bengals. And also, yeah, they've gone from yeah one of the jokes of the league, quite frankly, for many years. Most of the you know many years. I mean, a whole lot. Uh, they've gone from that to having played in the AFC Championship game in the last two seasons. They think they've gotten better on the D, on the offensive line this year. They thought that last year. I'm not exactly sure that actually panned out the way they thought, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, they got to they have got to make some uh, you know, defensive changes because they lost their starting safeties, and those two guys were, you know, we talk about I talk about the Cardinals uh, t- tandem of safeties. Of Thompson and Baker, uh, but you can make a case that the the Bengals uh, tandem of safeties with you know Bates and and uh, the dude from Ohio State whose name escapes me at the moment uh, that's a pretty good tandem too. But both those guys left via free agency. That's going to be a big change, big change for them, and that was a big part of their defensive success 
the last couple of years. It also has to feel good, though, that Lou Amaruno is back for the Bengals, a defensive coordinator. I know yeah. he was being interviewed for some head coaching jobs, including here in Arizona. Uh, but we'll dive into more with the Bengals. Jay Morrison at 1015. Let's toss this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. The 2023 Houston Texans over under five and a half wins. Bob had a great conversation with Jason Bristol from KHOU 11 in Houston. And uh, if you missed it, you can podcast over at KDOS 1060.com. Over under five and a half wins. Under remains out in front, though, at 77.8% of the vote, over trailing at 22.2%. They've got some interesting players uh, with the Texans. I was actually, once I dove into them uh, a little more uh, in, 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 you know, basically in depth yesterday before, uh, you know, we had uh, the interview in the last hour. You know, they've got one of the best tandems of tackles in the entire NFL, which I did know that. And Tunsil has been tremendous. Uh, number one in pass protection of any offensive lineman in the NFL last year, according to Pro Football Focus. And it kind of seems like, the once again, the eye test and the, and the metrics uh, match up on that. So at least good. Uh, they've got some intriguing receivers. Now, they got guys that are maybe – underachieved a little bit who we thought would be better like nico collins uh and you know mechie is back from the leukemia you know, congratulations on his uh, you know uphill climb there obviously uh but yeah and they added dalton schultz so they've got some interesting weapons in addition to getting the first you know the second and third picks of the draft when you know stroud and will anderson are you would think going to be cornerstones to this organization for a long time if it all works out for them uh, we will answer that question as well around 11.30 today. As I mentioned, though, it's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, a $100 gift certificate on the line for you today. Von Hansen's is located 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Pay them a visit this weekend as the weekend specials here. Certified Angus Beef Grill Steaks at $12.99 a pound. Pork Butt Roast at $3.99 a pound. And the Fresh Hole Frying Chickens at $1.99 a pound that's over at von hansen's meats and spirits as for the arizona diamondbacks they're now two games above 500 as they beat the padres three to one yesterday zach Allen he admitted he didn't have his best stuff but he knew how taxed the bullpen was and was finding ways to get some length in his outing six and a third innings three hits one run one walk three strikeouts rich hill on the other side five innings two hits three runs one walk three strikeouts and two home runs as those home runs were hit by tommy fam a two-run shot in the fourth and Gabriel Moreno in the fifth. Yeah, Gallon, I think uh, he was certainly honest. I mean, he gutted it out. I think that was the best way to put this, pitching into the seventh inning. They needed him to do that, as you mentioned, with the bullpen situation, you know, with Ginkle and, uh, you know, obviously Seawald having pitched for the last five days, both of them. Uh, so they, uh, they, they couldn't afford a short outing from the starter. Yeah, the, he got a little fortunate a few times, like you know, several you know deep fly ball outs in that game, a couple of good defensive plays from the Diamondbacks, which we haven't seen nearly as often as we did say before July the first. When it, uh, you know, I know statistically they're still they may still be the best defensive team in baseball, but if you've watched them play, they have played some sloppy defense from time to time, and maybe even a little more than time to time since the All Star break. But all that was uh, more on point, as they say, last night. And uh, it was against the Padres, who just continued to be anemic offensively. 
24 games this season, the Padres have scored two runs or fewer. That's according to the MLB Network, so I'm going to trust they have their numbers right. And the Padres, uh, the high-payroll Padres, have now lost eight of their last 11 games. Uh, and today, the series continues. Brandon fought on the mound. He's 0-6, 6.91 ERA, 50 strikeouts going up against Seth Lugo. Saturday, it's Merrill Kelly against Hugh Darvish. And Sunday, to be determined versus Michael Waka. But as you pointed out here, uh, Hurricane Hillary is on its way, yeah. potentially impacting things. So there might be some decisions ahead for the weekend. Hillary Clinton is going up the Mexico Pacific coast. That's what Hillary, uh, Hurricane Hillary is, I assume. I don't know. <laughs> okay, you don't want to give an editorial comment here like I might have just done? So, uh, I'll yeah, I can't, I can't help myself. I mean, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw Hurricane Hillary. It, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I thought at that first too, but there's some strange yeah. names for hurricanes. I don't know how they actually get their names. No, I don't either. That's true. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, that is the first thing I thought of. So, uh, and probably the second or third thing I thought of, too. <laughs> so, we, we've already seen a Hurricane Hillary in this country. The National League, the Braves, 78 and 42, Dodgers, 74 and 46, the Brewers, 65 and 57, the wild card spots, the Phillies, 66 and 55, Giants, 64 and 57, and the Cubs, 62 and 58. On the outside, looking in, the Reds at 63 and 59, the Marlins, 63 and 59, and with the win yesterday, the Diamondbacks now climbing to one game back. And I'm pretty sure that none of those teams you just mentioned there on the, quote, wild card race have won more than five of their last ten games. Well, that's wrong. The Cubs have won six out of ten. So there you go. They had the walk-off on a Wednesday night against the White Sox. But it's not like any of these teams competing for wild card uh, possibilities are playing at a high level of baseball at the moment. So keep it going. Uh, you know, they had the nine-game losing streak. But since then – They've beaten San Diego uh, three times, and they won, that, uh, they, they won two out of three games at Colorado, which is better defined that they actually the, the Rockies played worse than the Diamondbacks in those games. I don't think the Diamondbacks would be very proud of the way they played, but they did win two out of three. Uh, as for some other weekend series here to pay attention to, you have the Blue Jays at the Reds. Uh, you also have the Giants at the Braves with Alex Cobb going against Spencer Strider, Logan Webb against Yanni Torinos, and uh, Sunday to be determined against Max Freed in that series. Yeah, I think the big thing here is the Reds. Uh, you know, Hunter Green, one of their heralded pitching prospects, of which they have a lot more hitting prospects than hitting pos prospects. Green, who's been up and down in many ways as far as, you know, success and also minor leagues, and now he's been injured for about a month, maybe a little more than a month. He's expected to come back and pitch this weekend for the Reds. And it looks like Nick Lodolo, another one of their young pitching prospects who has shown some promise, but he's also been on the injured list. He's expected to be back within two weeks. So, you know, the Reds, who were – Obviously desperate for pitching, but seemingly weren't desperate enough for starting pitching to add one before the trade deadline, which was somewhat mysterious. Maybe they were just counting on these two you know, basically rookie pitchers to come back and lead them into the playoffs. 
Now, something has to give here. The Rangers, Astros, and Mariners have all been on a hot streak here, 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. The Mariners take on the Astros. Friday, Bryce Miller versus J.P. France. Saturday, Logan Gilbert versus Frambert Valdez. Sunday, Emerson Hancock versus Hunter Brown. And the Rangers are taking on the Brewers. Brandon Woodruff versus Andrew Heaney. Freddie Peralta versus Dave uh, Dunning, Dane Dunning. And Adrian Hauser versus Max Scherzer. Okay, a couple things stand out here. First up, Hancock is up for the Mariners. He's one of the baseball's top pitching prospects. Um, I don't recall which year, but he was a first-round pick uh, two, three, four years ago. Uh, and uh, he is you know, highly thought of, obviously, if he's a top pitching prospect. So something to look at there for the Mariners. I mentioned them in the first hour during the sports zone that uh, this is three straight years that uh, – you know, they either you know, kind of dug themselves a hole uh, and gotten better late in the season and made a run or just, uh, you know, for whatever reason, not played as well as they're supposed to in the first half and then made a run. So that's going on. I will say the big difference, you know, I just you know, basically talked how the National League wildcard contenders or none of them are really seeming playing, seemingly playing at a high level. Uh, the American League, as has been the case the entire season, quite frankly, uh, with the exception of the Dodgers and the Braves, the American League, uh, much better baseball and much better level of play and much better teams in the American League than there are in the National League. About 40 or so games remain in the season. Monday, August 21st, the Diamondbacks are taking on the Texas Rangers for ASU night. Visit dbacks.com slash ASU to secure your tickets today for a special event ticket package plus a co-branded ASU Diamondbacks t-shirt. We'll have a four-pack of tickets later on in the program, but right now we step aside to make room for Jay Morrison from Pro Football Network to chat all things Cincinnati Bengals next. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Friday, August 18th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you as we do typically Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, continuing our AFC North conversation, wrapping things up with the Cincinnati Bengals as we pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Jay Morrison with Pro Football Network. Jay, it's Bob and Kayla today. Thanks for the time. How are you? Oh, doing good. Just getting ready for the game tonight. Absolutely. should be, uh, well, it's preseason, so I was going to say fun in a loose term here. But you can learn some, a few things here. Uh, let's start, though, with the status of Joe Burrow. How is the calf coming along? And is there maybe any sense of internal frustration that this is yet another training camp that Burrow will be missing a significant portion of? No, I don't think that's the case. You know, you, you think about it, it's, it's a much better situation than last year with the appendectomy where he lost a lot of weight. He had a he had a lot to do to get back from that. This is, uh, you know, he, he, he's got three years together with T. Higgins. He has three years with Tyler Boyd. He's got even longer than that with Jamar Chase back their days at LSU. Um, and even Trent Irwin, the number four wide receiver, you, you're, you don't have the, the new offensive line piece. They had three brand-new offensive linemen, free agency, and then a, uh, a rookie last year. So there was – Last year was just a much bigger challenge. Um, all indications, it, it sounds like that he, no one has said it 
but it sounds like he's been going through the walkthroughs in the morning, which they do away from the media in the indoor facility. So he's getting the mental reps in, and they're just they're just being really, really cautious with this because it's one of those injuries that does, does have a, a high weight of recidivism, and you you don't want that to happen. You don't want to come back too early, re-injure it, rip open that scar tissue, and then you start you're back to square one, and you're talking about several weeks in the regular season. So they're just they're taking this really slow, really cautiously, and uh, all indication is if he does miss time in the regular season, it might be a game, but it, it seems pretty optimistic he's going to be back for the Open. Okay, so when does Mr. Burrow get a contract extension, and did Justin Herbert's new deal with the Chargers delay the process? No, I, I mean, I would have thought it was the exact opposite, that once Herbert came in, then, then there's your template. You just exceed that by a million a year, and, and, and so it is. It's interesting <laughs> that it hasn't happened yet. I, I really did think that we were going to see the, the Burrow one come down a day or two after the Herbert one, and that hasn't been the case. So it's, it's not just Joe Burrow, it's T. Higgins is looking for an extension, too. And, and Joe has been adamant about wanting to keep these guys together. So I don't know if he's waiting to see, you know, if the Bengals get T done. And, it, you know, because if they don't get T done, then maybe he wants his structured a little differently. He's not, he's, it's not like he's taking a hometown discount, but they will structure it in a way that is a little more team friendly for them to, for the Bengals to keep other pieces. So, I think that's more of the snag here is just where T. Higgins is in, in his negotiations. And it's a big question. I mean, you're, you're going to have a huge deal for, for Jamar Chase next year. You're already playing Orlando Brown a bunch of money. Uh, Burrow, of course. You want all that money sunk on one side of the ball. And is it smart to have two receivers making at least $25 million a year? So I think the Bengals are trying to hammer that out, how much they actually can afford to keep T. Higgins for. And I, I don't think we're going to see this go much longer. I, I, I would imagine the borough deal is going to be done well before the start of the regular season. Jay Morrison, Pro Football Network here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, you alluded to the offensive line a bit. Uh, so they've made another commitment there, bringing in Orlando Brown Jr. at left tackle. You have Ted Karras at center, Alex Kappa at right guard. You have former first-round pick Jonah Williams at right tackle. So where is the continuity here of this offensive line protecting Burrow? And how much is there an area of emphasis about this offensive line being able to get better in the pass protection, open up some holes in the run game, and then Joe Burrow as well being a little bit smart with uh, you know how long he stays in the pocket. Yeah, that's the bigger piece of it. There is this, is is he he is so good at extending plays and standing in until the last possible second, waiting for someone to come open, and he he kind of brings some of those hits on himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he is very good. He gets the ball out. He's one of the fastest ones uh, time to throw quarterbacks in the league. So he gets the ball out in a hurry. I think you know this is going to be the best offensive line they've probably had since 2015 when Andrew Whitworth was here and they won the division um, that year. The continuity is there. I mean, yes, Orlando Brown is a big piece, but he's been a starter in this league for a long time um, and, and a starter on good offenses. So you've got the four guys back from last year. Rookie Cordell Verfolson is in his second year. I, I would expect him to make a, a big jump this year. The, 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 the bigger question here is what – what this line can do in the run game. Last year, they, they ripped up that run game and after week five and just put Burrow exclusively in shotgun. And all they got rid of the, the wide zone and just did gun runs downhill. 
you know, right up just gap runs right up the middle. And that's, I think this line is built to do that. And if this line, if this line can get the running game more efficient than it was last year, then that's automatically going to protect the little bit. Okay. So speaking of the running game, Joe Mixon found not guilty of aggravated menacing uh, judge ruled yesterday. The NFL justice system seems at times to kind of vary. So do we have any idea and do we anticipate whether the NFL will suspend Mixon for some period of time? Yeah, I'd be surprised. There, there was no evidence or proof that he actually had a gun. It was just the first story against his. Um, it was a kind of a slam dunk, non-guilty case, not guilty case. So I, I, I would be surprised based on that case alone, but... There was also a case in April where his sister and, and her male acquaintance were at Joe's house, and the, the acquaintance shot a teenager. They were playing Nerf guns, running through the neighborhood, and, and there was some. Uh, Joe was not guilty of any crime in that, but again, it's, it's a gun issue it's at his house. It's just a bad look. So maybe the NFL does something on that, but. I, I, at this point, I'd be surprised with the way that case came down this week, the aggravated medicine case. It just, it looked, it seems like that, that, I'm not saying he didn't do it, but there was just no evidence there that never should have gone to trial. Speaking of Joe Mixon, though, he no longer has Samaji Piran backing him up. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Chris Evans drafted in the sixth round back in 2021. So do the Bengals feel comfortable with what they have in the running back room? Yes. Uh, in terms of running the football, but the, the big question is who's going to take on that Samaje third down role and be the, the key pass protector. Samaje was one of the best blitz pickup backs in the league last year. Um, Chris Evans has not been very good at it this year. And um, he, he talked to a reporter earlier this week about how he rode the drop tower at an amusement park and he, he got in a bite suit and let a police dog attack. I mean, he did all these things to kind of shock his body that he's used to doing things that you really don't want to do. And he's, he's taken this seriously, trying to, to be that third down back. And we have seen some growth there. But Travion Williams, who's been here longer than Chris Evans, he was really the favorite to, to win that role. And he sprained his ankle early in camp. He's due back pretty soon. And then you have Chase Brown, the rookie out of Illinois, who has protected a lot at Illinois. At Illinois. And it's, it's something he's familiar with, and, and but it's just a different level here at the NFL. So that's still a work in progress. I, I, I've moved Chris Evans kind of onto the 53-man the roster now. I think he is the, the leading candidate to be that third down back, but we've still got two games to go and a bunch more practices before we get to the opener, and that job is still up for grabs. Okay, let's, let's flip this to the defense. The highly thought of Lou Anarumo is back as the coordinator. Are you surprised he did not get a head coaching gig during the offseason? Yes, done. Um, I, I really thought that he was going to end up out there in Arizona, and um, it's amazing. I mean, this this you look at the success that this team has had, and they are the only team in the NFL who have had head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator together for five straight seasons. It's just, wow. You don't see that in this league. If, if you're good and successful like the Bengals have been, people steal them, and if you're bad, they get fired. And So it is, it's a big benefit that both Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, and Lou Anarumo are back. But, yeah, I was, I was surprised. And, you know, I, you know, I was surprised because he's earned it. But, on the other hand, not surprised because the, the trend in the league are the young offensive minds. He's mid-50s and a defensive guy, and there's just not a lot of them getting hired. So 
I would imagine if they make another deep run this year, someone's going to hire him away. Jay Morrison, Pro Football Network here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, Jesse Bates left. Uh, now it's Nick Scott, Dax Hill at safety. You have Awuze, Mike Hilton, Cam Taylor-Britt at corners. So what's the comfort level right now of the secondary, and is that an area that might take some time to gel? Yeah, it's absolutely going to take some time. I mean, Jesse and Vaughn were together for three years, um, both of them playing 99% of the snaps. They just never came off the field. There was just that, that chemistry there. Lou always alluded to the, the double play combination. Where you just flip the ball, and you know the other guy's going to be there. And that's going to take some time to build. It's, the, the safeties are now Dax Hill, who was their first-round pick last year, who only played 17 snaps at safety because Jesse and Vaughn never came off the field. And then Nick Scott, who they brought in from the Rams, um, he's a one-year starter in, in the league, and so he's looked really impressive in training camp. But uh, getting those two guys to get that, that same kind of chemistry, it's going to take some time. And, and then you mentioned that the, the, the corners are are in good shape. Kim Taylor-Britt really came on last year. Aluzi is coming off of an ACL, but he looks ready to go. They're just kind of holding him back out of precaution. That ACL was on Halloween, so he's, he's had almost a year to, to rehab that. And, uh, and then Mike Hilton's terrific in the slot. And the, the one to really watch, D.J. Turner, their second-round pick out of Michigan, has made multiple plays every single day in practice. So they, they are in good shape as far as corners go. It's just a matter of how fast those, those two safeties can grow together. Yeah, as an Ohio State fan, I'm glad Turner's no longer in Ann Arbor. So uh, good that he's in, in this. You know, I wish he were. I wish he were in the state of Ohio before this year, but uh, that didn't quite work out. Okay, so L- Logan Wilson, he's a tackling machine. Uh, they also yeah. paid fellow linebacker Jermaine Pratt. Are you surprised that Pratt's back? And because of these, uh, you know, maybe issues in the secondary. Uh, will the pass rush of Cincinnati, at least numerically, be, will, will it be better than last year? I guess it almost has to be. And, yeah, they're gonna, that secondary will certainly benefit if the pass rush is better. Yeah, it's going to be better. It, 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 I mean, they are so deep there, and it's legitimate depth. I mean, they just have wave after wave of guys. And they've, they, I mean, this is a good offense and, and a good offensive line, and they've just been a menace in practice. And, and we saw it in the joint practice against the Packers, too. They are just living in the backfield. Um, Trey Hendrickson is one of those gay practices like he plays, and he rubs the offense wrong at times. But, but he is a really, really elite defender uh, or edge rusher and doesn't really have that name recognition. But uh, he's a guy to watch for this year. I was surprised about Pratt. Uh, solely, and I, I think the Bengals were, too, because they wanted to re-sign Von Bell and – Carolina gave him more, and they expected to re-sign Samaje P. Ryan, and he just was, he took the same amount of money to go to Denver. He was just tired of being Joe Mixon's, you know, backup, being number two to him, and so all of a sudden, they had this money allotted for other spots, and they're sitting there holding it, and so they, they that's why they, they re-signed Jermaine Pratt, and really, it's the reason they got Orlando Brown. That was never the plan going into free agency to get that guy, but they got a call the night before, said he was available. They've got all this money sitting there, and it came together. So I do. With Lou, the way Lou schemes things up and the talent they have on defense, people kind of sleep on, on this defense because the offense is so dynamic. But that's what's really going to carry him, just like it did on that Super Bowl run. That was the defense that, that won all those playoff games. 
a mindset question for you here. You know, you you mentioned the Super Bowl and the Bengals have been part of the AFC Championship game for the last two seasons. Uh, so is it just more of let's keep building, let's fill in some gaps here, but we're on the right track, we're so close? Or has there been an off-season approach here where uh, they've really started to dissect maybe areas that could really use some improvement? And I'm talking about like the most finite details here. This is a very good football team. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's odd because this offense has been so good, but you look at these playoff games, and, and, and Joe Burrow's a clutch guy, but the late in the, that AFC Championship loss to the Chiefs, and even in some of those, that, that Super Bowl run, he just wasn't very good. The offense as a whole wasn't very good in the, in the, the fourth quarter of those games. So I don't know what you do to, to fix that until you get there and just perform better, but from a mind, I think it's just more of an urgency this year. You know that there, you mentioned it earlier. The, the the contract is coming from Joe Burrow. He's going to be off of the rookie deal. That makes things a lot harder. And they know that you know this is last year, this year, even next year will be their best chances to, to really put together a, a quality team. Once even with Joe Burrow signs this year, he's not going to have a huge cap hit this year. He's not going to have a huge one next year. It's going to be that third year where it's really going to spike and mm-hmm. make things difficult to build around him. So there's an urgency there. It's, it's not a now or never kind of thing, but they they have been so close, and it, it's something that you know these these kind of teams don't come together very often. And yeah, I don't. I, I hate to keep going back to it, but urgency is the key word right now. Okay, last up for me, no team in the NFL has a higher season win total than the Bengals at 11.5. There's some other teams that are 11.5, but nobody's higher than that. Over or under 11.5 wins in 2023? They are better than they were last year, but I'm going under because the division is better. The conference is better. I could see every team in this AFC North going 3-3 and just beating up on each other. So if they go 3-3 and in the division – then you're ta- like they did last year. Then, then you're talking about you got to find nine wins in the other eleven games. That's that's a lot to ask for. So I'm, I'm going to go under, but I do think they're going to have a really really good year, better than they were last year. Jay, this has been fantastic. Look fo- looking forward to catching up with you as the season continues on. Have yourself a great rest of the day and enjoy the game tonight. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. Once again, he is Jay Morrison there with Pro Football Network. We'll dive into the uh, schedule for the Bengals, obviously a first-place schedule for the Bengals. And uh, as we've been talking about it all week long, and Jay talked about it there too with how good this division is, the AFC North, that and just how physical it always is regardless, uh, you certainly have a lot of things to look into when you're thinking about 11.5 wins for the Bengals. So we'll dive into their schedule and uh, look into their odds to win the division, the AFC and Super Bowl odds for Cincinnati. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060 online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. do what's best for the team and we'll do what's best for you the rich eisen show coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m here on kdus am 1060 and kdus 1060.com
1041 on this Friday, August 18th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. You can always follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. Thanks to Jay Morrison from Pro Football Network joining us in the previous segment talking all things Cincinnati Bengals. And if you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. Let's continue some Cincinnati talk as we dive into their schedule here. Well, they don't waste any time getting into the AFC North division. Week one, it's at the Browns. Week two versus the Ravens. Then week three versus the Rams. Week four at the Titans. Week five right here in Arizona against the Cardinals. Week six versus the Seahawks. And then week seven is their bye. Yeah, that's a pretty rough stretch to the start. Yeah, also, we've gone through six of the eight divisions now in our previews. And I think it's safe to say that of the team of the uh, conference, excuse me, the divisions we've gone through so far, that uh, you know the uh, the AFC North, these teams play more games early in the season than we've seen the other divisions so far. We haven't done the the AFC uh, East and West yet, so I haven't you know have to go into that now before we get to you know next week and the week after, but. Some early uh, division games, and you know the first two right off the bat. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that for the first two, they at Cleveland and home against Baltimore. Then I think the next three are you know soft, so to speak, at the Rams. Uh, it's a Monday night game. And then they have a short week at Tennessee on the road. I'm never particularly thrilled. I'm sure that the teams aren't particularly thrilled when they have a short week on the road after a Monday night game. And then they play at Arizona. So we'll see how that goes. They also have a very tough stretch from October the 15th through November the 5th. And there's a bye in between here. But a three-game stretch, as you mentioned, against Seattle. I'm going to start with that one. Then they have the bye. And then they go to San Francisco. And then they play home against Buffalo. And that Buffalo game, obviously, when Cincinnati and Buffalo played last year, was the Hamlin injury game. And I'm sure there will be lots of uh, talk about that. And that's a, a matchup that uh, – is going to be anticipated, of course, uh, Cincinnati beat them and eliminated Buffalo in the playoffs last year at Buffalo. So that's part of the hype there, too. Uh, the last three games of this season uh, at Pittsburgh, uh, that's going to be uh, that's on a Saturday, so that's a short week again. Uh, then they play at Kansas City. Uh, I think the schedule schedule maker has a sense of humor here. Uh, they've... Uh, they played Kansas City every regular season for like the last three years, and then they played in the postseason the last couple of years. They played a lot of games against Kansas City. In fact, they had beaten them in all those games until the conference championship game last year. And then the finale is at home against Cleveland, and who knows what Cleveland might be at that time. They might be really good, or they might be completely checked out. <laughs> so, so we'll see. But they've got some kind of interesting and I think difficult scheduling pockets here, and as Jay mentioned, you know, the division itself, I mean, that's uh, kind of a, a gauntlet. And, uh, yeah, I don't disagree with him at all mentioning that, you know, three and three for, for if, if I'm a if I'm a team in these in this division, no matter which team it is, I would think I'd be pretty happy if I go three and three in division games. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. The conclusion there, week 16 at the Steelers, week 17 at the Chiefs, and week 18 versus the Browns. That is just a brutal way to end uh, this particular schedule here for the Bengals. When it comes to winning the AFC North, though, the Bengals plus 150, the Ravens plus 210, the Browns plus 400, and the Steelers plus 470. To win the AFC, the Chiefs plus 350, the Bills plus 450, and the Bengals plus 550, which is kind of interesting that these odds are this way I'm I'm curious if it's maybe that there was just a lot of of action taken on the Bills much earlier on in the offseason because as it is heading into the start of the season the Bills really do seem to be like the forgotten team yeah well you may be asking the wrong guy because I'm not terribly high on the Bills this season Uh, we'll get into them next week Uh, so maybe I'll change my mind once I dive into them a little further but yeah, I've been mentioning for a couple years running now, I just don't believe in their offensive line, and they've lost some key defenders from last season that I don't think they can replace this season. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, interesting, as far as this division goes, uh, I don't really have any financial wagering involved here, but I do think the Bengals are the best team in the division. Uh, I'm not buying Baltimore. I just don't buy into Lamar suddenly becoming accurate because he has, quote, better receivers. I've watched him throw inaccurate passes for several years now, whether it was at Louisville or in Baltimore. Uh, So, like I said, I just don't think you magically change after, you know, five-plus years of being inaccurate and all of a sudden just because you, quote, have better receivers, you're now going to deliver the ball better. So I'm not quite buying into that. Pittsburgh is the team that I think is a real wild card here because I can make a case either way. Uh, if their offensive line comes together, Kevin Kenny Pickett actually shows him imp- some improvement, which he actually did towards the end of last season. I mean, he didn't make a lot of plays, but he also didn't throw many interceptions at the end of the last season. And then Cleveland, I think, is the you – know, I've mentioned this multiple times this week as we've covered this division. Cleveland, to me, is the, the team that confuses me the most or maybe confuse is not the right word, but I just don't know what to think of them. I guess that is confusion. Uh, you know, I can make a case for them to be really good if Watson is and the offensive line lives up to the reputation that it has, but they've got some serious holes in a couple of different positions, especially linebacker on defense. Uh, so I'm not sure how that's going to go. So this is a I think it's a, you know, I know I guess people have argued whether this is the best division in football. I, I definitely think it's the most intriguing division in football, intriguing because I think there's a chance that all four of these teams could be good. I think, you know, maybe what has something to do with the confusion for the Browns side of it is that collectively they have a lot of really good, talented players. Now it's just about putting it all together, playing together, and maximizing that talent and turning it into wins. Agreed. And yeah, I think that Amari Cooper is just kind of the definition of, you know, more confusion with the Browns. Um, Even if you're not involved in fantasy football, but if you're especially involved, if you've had Amari Cooper over the years, whether it was with the Raiders, whether it was with the Cowboys or whether it was with the Browns, he has some games where he looks like Jerry Rice. Uh, and he has, like, games the next week where he looks like Condoleezza Rice trying to play football. I mean, it is so wildly inconsistent, it is nuts. I mean, if you just take the, you know, the average numbers and put them together, they're good. 
but you have no idea what you're getting from week to week. It used to be a home and away thing for him. That's changed too, so it's even more of an erratic lack of consistency from him. And that kind of, I think, describes the Browns. Uh, when it comes back to the Super Bowl odds, Chiefs plus 600, Eagles plus 800, Bills 10 to 1, Bengals 10 to 1, and the 49ers 10 to 1. Some numbers for Joe Mixon over under 825 and a half yards minus 112. Jamar Chase over under 1300 and a half yards minus 112. And T. Higgins um, over under 1000 and a half yards minus 112. So that is the Cincinnati Bengals, and we will answer the win total of 11 and a half around 11.30 today. As a reminder, Monday, August 21st, it's the Diamondbacks taking on the Texas Rangers ASU night. Fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded ASU Diamondbacks tee. Visit dbacks.com slash ASU to secure your tickets. That's the D-backs hosting the Rangers 6.40 p.m. on Monday, August 21st. A four-pack of tickets could be yours right now. Caller number 3-602-260-1060. Caller 3-602-260-1060 for the Diamondbacks taking on the Texas Rangers Monday, August 21st. We'll get into some PGA Tour talk on the other side of the break. The BMW Championship underway. We'll figure out what's going on there in Chicago area on the other side of the break. But 602-260-1060. Caller 3 for the Diamondbacks taking on the Rangers ASU night Monday, August 21st. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Congratulations to our winner of the four-pack of tickets to the Monday, August 21st Diamondbacks Rangers contest for ASU night. Purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded ASU Diamondbacks tee. Visit dbacks.com slash ASU to secure those tickets now. Let's continue on with the extra point, wrapping up this hour one on Friday, August 18th. Uh, The PGA Tour, they are at Olympia Fields in uh, the Chicago area. And so yesterday, as things concluded, you had Rory McIlroy uh, in the round one lead with Brian Harmon at 500 par 65. The thing that was impressive about Rory's round is that he hit just three fairways all day. Uh, Usually that is not a recipe for immense amount of success, but he was a scrambling machine making some putts and he shot five under par yesterday. Round number two is underway and you have Chris Kirk now on top of the leaderboard. He shot uh, four under yesterday and he's four under today. He's at eight under par right now. Ricky Fowler He's at uh, two under for the day, six under for the tournament. He's making a case. We went through a bit of it yesterday for the United States and what needs to happen for an automatic qualifying bid into the Ryder Cup. I think if Ricky were to win or be right there within the top uh, three, he would automatically qualify. But I also think at this point, the way he has been playing golf this year, Zach Johnson is not leaving him off of that Ryder Cup. 
Ryder Cup squad. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, he's at five under par. So is Corey Connors. Matt Fitzpatrick and Rory McIlroy is just getting his day started. As it is for our guy, Victor Hovland. Ah, Vic. Vic, he makes some of the most silly bogeys that frustrates you to no end, but he's so talented. Uh, He did it yesterday on 18, and he ended up shooting one under par, but he's back at it today, two under through 13. That's three under for the tournament right now, and that's in a tie for 10th. So we'll continue to monitor the action for the BMW Championship on the PGA Tour. As I mentioned yesterday, we went through what happens for the U.S. squad for the Ryder Cup. Well, I thought we could go into a little bit about what happens for Team Europe for Ryder Cup standings. And the automatic qualifying for Team Europe is also uh, six. And uh, you have, though, a little bit of a different setup, though, because you have the DP World Tour. You also have guys that are playing on the PGA Tour. So how you accumulate these points to make yourself eligible for Team Europe. And it comes down to... Three automatic qualifiers are taken from the European points list, and then three automatic qualifiers come from the world's points list. Right now, three players have already automatically qualified for Team Europe. That's Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, and Victor Hovland. Uh, What's different, though, about... Team Europe is that they actually have until the end of September 3rd in order for their team qualifications and and point totals to be accumulated. Whereas Team USA, it wraps up, it's done Sunday after the BMW Championship. You have Tyrrell Hatton, you have Tommy Fleetwood. They look to be in great shape to be making the team for Team Europe as well, with Luke Donald then getting six captain's picks after the six automatic qualifiers. It's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, the certified Angus beef grill steaks at $12.99 a pound, pork butt roast at $3.99 a pound, and the fresh whole frying chickens at $1.99 a pound. We'll get into more from Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits in hour two. We'll also get into the Arizona Cardinals preseason game number two as they host the Chiefs on Saturday. And we'll also get a Tennessee Titans update from Nick Suss with the Tennessean around 11.15. Plenty to still come here in today's Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060.